If America has a race problem, which we do, if America has a Latino problem, which we do, yeah. if America has these problems, of course they're going to be manifested by the guy who you give a badge to and say, right. you represent America. You are the government of America. Yes. On the streets of America, you get to walk around representing this nation. And when you represent America, you represent all that's good about it and unfortunately all that's bad about it. And, and we, we're asking them to somehow referee this fight that we're having as a nation, and it's not fair to them. But yeah, mm -hmm. it angers me that many police officers right now in the United States have taken sides. Welcome, I'm Rick Sanchez. Uh, my buddy Scotty's joining me. Hey, Scotty, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? This How's is the podcast. Great. I just got back from the Keys and I got to tell a story, which I think is interesting. And I want to share it with you because it's about one of the problems we have today that I've been trying to get over. It's about swimming with sharks. Now, I know a lot of you, because this is what I did yesterday, right? Uh, and I know a lot of you have heard that people do this now in the Keys and they go to the Bahamas and they go swimming with sharks, et cetera. And, it, and it's a lot of fun. Um, for those people who do it and they, they, you know, I don't know, they save up for years because they can't wait to go down there and go swim with real sharks. That's not what I did. That's not what I did. So listen to this. Suzanne, my wife, and my two of my sons, we went to the Keys this weekend and we decided to take a little boat and go fishing and catch some snapper and we caught some pompanos and it was fun. And then we came back. And when we came back to the pier, we noticed the fishermen were out there and they were, you know, uh, cutting up their fish and filleting their fish and, and throwing the raw carcasses into the water. And that was attracting a lot of fish who were coming to eat it. And among the fish that were coming were sharks. And there were nurse sharks, of course, which are huge. They're like eight yeah. feet, nine feet long and scary looking, but they're not really man eaters. They're not apex predators, okay? Um, they don't even have a very large mouth. They can't really, they don't even have big teeth. So, but they still look exactly like a shark. And they also have tons of tarpon out there. And, um, and then I noticed there were also other sharks, real apex predator sharks, real like black tip sharks and white tip sharks. And these guys are, you know, the kind of sharks that can do some damage. They got a very large mouth and very pointy teeth <laughs> that could bite your arm off. So, but I know in my head, I know this, I know this. I know that sharks and their ferocity is exaggerated by the press, by the media, by everybody. I just know this. We all know this deep down, but we're still afraid and we can't get over it. So every time we go swimming in the water, every time you go to the Keys, you're always looking around because you think a shark's going to come get you. And generally speaking, the shark could give a crap about you. He's not interested in you. Right. And, and, and shark attacks are few and far between compared to some of the other things that we can get, our, get, get ourselves into as human beings. So knowing that, I said to myself, I'm going to jump in there and swim with these guys. And I did. <laughs> and my wife, my wife says, wait, you're going to do what? I said, yeah, there's sharks everywhere. They're kind of in a cool feeding frenzy. I'm not going to go in the frenzy. I'm going to stand, you know, a little bit to the side and uh, see what's going on. So I did just that, Scotty. <laughs> I put on a mask and a snorkel and I jumped in the water and I started swimming around with the tarpon and with the sharks. 
And did, did, uh, was anybody else doing that along with you or is it just you? No, just me. No, no, it wasn't <laughs> one of these, you pay money and you go out with a group and it, you got a guide and they, you know, they, no, 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 no. It was just, there were sharks and I wanted to swim with the sharks. So I went in the sharks and I wanted to see them feeding and I wanted to see what they would do. And I always figured, you know what? They're, they're, they're not going to some big chubby Cuban guy. Okay. They're going to go after the food that's free out there. <laughs> I'm way too much work for them probably. <laughs> Which was the case, by the way. And I, yeah. I, I, there was one moment when there was a piece of flesh hanging in front of me and one of the big black tips came in and, and, and grabbed it. And as he grabbed it, he was only like a few inches from my face when I watched him <sighs> with the big, you know, mouth and grab yeah. it. But he had no interest at all in me. None. Right. I had to push away the tarpon a little bit and I had to push away the other sharks, the big, you know, they're almost like giant catfish, really. They're like nine footers, but they're huge. And they, you know, those nurse sharks, they were coming up. So I would push them away because they were getting a little aggressive, but only aggressive in that they were trying to, I don't know, <laughs> smell me or something. But <laughs> but the whole experience was a lot of fun. And it's like one of those things I wanted to get off my chest because there's a lesson here. There's a lesson here. And the lesson is, we need to do things to get over ourselves. I liken my experience with sharks to how we all feel about other people who see things differently. There are people in America today who when they see an African-American, they think immediately that person's gonna steal from them. They think immediately that person is up to no good. When they see a Latino, they think they're going to take their job or rape their sister or all the horrible things that we've heard about us. Whether they're, whether they're thinking of an African-American, we oftentimes people who are very progressive immediately think of someone who voted for Trump or someone who's a Republican and they think he's a bigot, she's a bigot, she's a bad person, bad intentions, and, and we don't indulge. And in business and in life, we need to indulge. We need to go beyond the superficial. And that's what I did with those sharks yesterday. Every single person in America, because of the movies and because of Hollywood, thinks that sharks are the most horrific predators in the world. And if you go in the water and there's one within a block of you, they will find you and they will attack you. Nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> If I took you right now in a helicopter going up beaches, whether you're in Texas or off the coast of California or off the coast of Florida, you would see sharks just a yes. hundred feet or so off from where people are swimming. And they don't give a crap. They have no interest in coming in and attacking a bather or a swimmer. You know, obviously under certain conditions, you have to be careful and don't make yourself look like a seal. Don't have a small child out <laughs> swimming by himself. Don't, you know, don't be bleeding. Um, you know, whatever. Right. But generally speaking, sharks, they're, they're, they're not vicious right. predators and they're not going to do that. And, but in my mind, I couldn't stop thinking they still were. And until I actually proved this to myself, I wasn't going to be able to get over that fear, that prejudice, really, because that's what it is. It's a prejudice. So, so yesterday when I got back and I saw the fishermen were all throwing all these giant carcasses of fish they were catching like, you know. 20, 30 foot, you know, amberjacks and, and other fish. And they were throwing them in there. And of course, the, you know, it was a feeding frenzy. All the other, all the big fish who love to eat all that meat were, you know, coming to dinner, so to speak. The tarpon were just so much fun to watch and stuff. 
Did they, I get, got, did, they but, get, did, did they get close to you, the tarpon? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, they just swim right in front of you, around you. They bump you. those guys they, are powerful. I mean, those, I know. they're like missiles in the water, man. But they don't even have teeth. They, they're <laughs> oh, like giant bass, you know? It, <laughs> but, but, they, but they're so impressive and scary looking. Yeah, they're but very scary looking. Th this may be an extreme example, and I'm not recommending for people to go and jump in the water <laughs> with sharks. But I, the reason I wanted to do this was I thought to myself, I know what they say about sharks is bullshit. I know what they say is wrong. I know mm -hmm. sharks are not the kind of animals that are just going to go around attacking people for the sake of attacking people. Every time a shark attacks somebody, it's front page story and, you know, lead story in every newscast all over America. And yet people are dying in many more ridiculous ways than nobody ever talks about that. And, and we all know that. But deep down, let me ask you a question. Every time you go swimming, all right, what are you thinking about? Sharks. Yeah. 100%. And I've seen, you know, it's funny. I've seen more sharks at the ocean, you know, going to the beach than I've seen alligators in the wild in South Florida. There's sharks everywhere. And like you said, they don't mess with you unless it's, it's, they it's, have a reason to. It's completely irrational is what you're saying. Yeah. Hundred percent. It, it, it's irrational, but it, it's a it's it's a natural fear that we have internally of being eaten alive. I think that's where it kind of originates from that <laughs> feeling of being eaten because it's all in us, you know, from our ancestry not to be eaten. That's like one of our big fears. So, so maybe in life, one of the things that we need to do, whether it's in business or within our families or within our array of friends, is find a way to swim with sharks. We, we, we need to be able to find that guy we know who is a, I mean, th this is what I'm telling myself now. This is something which I've always used to succeed in business because I have in business where I've made a lot of money in my life, thank God, partners, friends, associates um, who don't think like me. And, and, and I hear them say things that I think, wow. And, and, and my first response is, like the sharks, don't go in the water with them. Stay away from mm -hmm. them. Stay away from them. No. Go in the water with them. Learn who they are. Learn how they think. Learn why they think. Share ideas with them. It, it's, 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 it's the key today to success, whether you're looking at it as wanting to be a better brother, better dad, mom better business person um, or to maybe even if enough of us do this to save or alter the direction of our country because we're heading in a, to a horrible place right now. People think everyone who doesn't think like them is a shark who is a predator who is coming to destroy them and kill them and eat them. This is how too many people today in America see the left um, the things I saw on bumper stickers coming back and forth from the keys on the back of people's bump cars was just horrible. I mean, literally, they, they, they want the president of the United States dead because they don't like him and they didn't vote for him. And they say it in their cars. And just like there are people on the left who say things about Republicans, like they're all fascists and they're all racist, and they're not. Yes, there's a share of everything. But... We need to swim with sharks. We need to swim with sharks to save ourselves, to save our country, and to become better people. I know that's a 
Maybe a strange way, Scotty, to start a show. You know, going back to the 70s when Jaws came out is what kind of created the fear of sharks in this country. And it's carried on and it, and it leads to headlines. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, the media and, and narratives that have been portrayed over the last five years, at least, have created the other side as the enemy, as the shark in the water. Right. And, and, and yes, a shark is very dangerous. But if you understand where the shark's coming from, if you understand why the shark is the way they are and what they're, they're doing, it's not as scary anymore. And it's funny. I had a conversation with a buddy over the weekend and he was saying some things to me that, you know, I think some people could maybe even view a little bit racist, but I know him and I know he's not coming from a racist spot. And it was, I said to him, I said, man, I, I know where you're coming from. And I know your intentions aren't what you're saying. It's just coming out the way that you're saying it because it, it's a compli- it's a, it's a nuanced issue, so to speak. And I think if more people took that attitude of understanding where people are coming from and how they're coming about what they're saying or doing or acting, yeah, I think it could save our country. Well, the right, you know? the right, the right people, the right, the right people, people, right? I mean, Trump but, gave right. Americans the right to think Latinos are scum when he said they're all criminals and rapists, and I suppose there might be a few good ones, right? He gave them whistle, yes. he he gave them permission. He didn't invent that. He got that from no. Fox News, who'd been doing that for a long time. And from Lou Dobbs, who, by the way, didn't work at Fox News. He worked at CNN. And, and they kind of got it from Hollywood, who had set up that story. So it, it, it takes leaders, real courageous mm-hmm. leaders, to step up and say, no, that's not true. I mean, the best example of that was John McCain. Uh, you know, I got a lot of bones that. to pick with John McCain in terms of his idea of foreign policy that we should just attack and rule and own every country in the world. So I thought he was full of crap when it came to that. But that moment when that woman stood up in his news in his uh, news conference and, and, and she said, what do you think of the fact that Obama is a uh, is a Kenyan and uh, whatever else she said that was Muslim, horribly yeah, a Muslim, Muslim? And why do we have a Muslim running our country? And and he looked at her and he said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. He's an American just like me and just like you. And he may have different ideas, but that's not what we're about in this country. We don't call people names. Could you imagine how far removed that is? I mean, there's a guy who was giving her permission to swim with sharks. She thinks all Muslims are bad. Just like a lot of Americans think all all us Hispanics are are bad. Just like a lot of people think all your Jews are bad, Scotty. And just like a lot of people think all blacks are bad, right? And, and, And until we give ourselves permission to meet that challenge and address that fear, we'll just keep fearing it. And unfortunately, we happen to be living in a time right now where the right started that a long time ago. The left now caught up and says all of them are are fascists for thinking that way. And now where the hell are we? On the brink of, you know, another civil war in this country. And that's what I think we can avoid. And that's why we have these conversations. Look at this case, by the way. There's there's a story. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but there's been a shooting in Texas. Uh, this is a young man, by the way, who just was a Latino kid. He went to, I guess, a McDonald's or a Burger King or mm-hmm. something like that. And he's sitting outside eating his burger. And all of a sudden, this 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 police officer, I mean, he's not the police officer is not Latino. And apparently he thinks this kid is another Latino kid who he was looking for, who had committed a crime. He's not. The kid has nothing to do with what the kid is not who the police officer thinks he is. 
But because the police officer thinks he has the right, because he thinks this, to go to the kid's car, open his door, and um, essentially arrest him or detain him. I don't know what the hell he was going to do without without cause, without warrants, without a warning, you know. And he snuck up behind him. When you watch this video, he didn't even come from in front so that the kid could say, oh, apparently this officer is going to come over and have a conversation with me. No. He, he snuck in from behind. The kid was with his girlfriend. He's got a, a, a Big Mac in his hand. And the officer just yanks the car door open. And then the kid freaks out and I guess throws the car into reverse. The officer starts shooting. And the kid's almost dead. He could probably die any minute now. Apparently they're trying to keep him alive, but he's in intensive care. This is crazy. What is this cop thinking? Here's the tape. Get out of the car. That's it. Listen to this. Shots fired, shots fired, shots fired. I mean. Shots fired, shots fired. Yeah, shots fired. You just killed some kid. <laughs> he, there's just some kid, some random kid. He's sitting outside of McDonald's eating a hamburger with his girlfriend in the car. This cop comes up, yanks the door open, says, get out of the car. The, you can see the kid's reaction. You can see it. If you slow down the video, you can see the kid's going like, what? He, he can't, he, he, I don't even think he, he thought it was a cop. I mean, it's too, he, he didn't identify himself. He didn't say police. Nope, he, he just, nothing. get out of the car. The kid freaks yeah. out and then, and then- It's carjacking. The, it's a carjacking for L as he knows. Yeah, it's a carjacking. I mean, that's, how I, that's what I would think if somebody, if I was sitting there eating McDonald's burger at night and somebody snuck up behind my car and opened the door like that, I, that's it. I thought my car or my life is gone now. I'd freak out, right? I don't yeah. know who you are. What are you doing? And you turn into fight and flight, fight or flight. You don't know how, who's to say how you're going to react in a situation like that. What did he do? He threw his car in reverse and tried to drive away. <sighs> I mean, I, 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 I don't want to blame it on the police officer. In this case, we can blame it on this particular police officer. But I don't want to take it outside of that and say all police officers are like this. But there is a certain... <sighs> Look, here's what I'm trying to say. What I just said about the state of the United States, about how we as a country are right now, where we hate each other, cops are no different. Cops are Americans. Cops are Americans. Cops tend to vote for Trump. So... Pardon me for thinking that this police officer does not have a great impression of Latino kids. Pardon me for thinking that way. I may be totally wrong. This guy may be the most Latino loving guy in the universe. But what I read, what I see, what my eyes are telling me is there's a real good possibility that he doesn't see Latinos as, you know, upwardly mobile young American boys and girls who are no different than any other American boy or girl in the United States. I, I tend to think he sees them differently. And that's where my mind goes when I see this and thinks, and I think to myself, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's hard for me to do that, Scotty. It's a, it's a tough job being a police officer. I mean, I know police officers and Unfortunately, when police officers work in certain areas, they start to get a little bit of a perception of the neighborhood they work in and jaded. the best perception. Yeah, they're jaded. A lot of, they're jaded. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, not all cops are bad, but the 
system of policing that we currently have in this country, I think needs a little bit of reworking because the fact that police are so quick to shoot, especially when it's somebody that's not of a lighter skin color, it's an obvious, it's an issue that we have in this country. We keep seeing it time and time and time and time again. And police get upset about it because it does paint all police in a bad, you know, in a bad light, you know, we're giving them a power of a gun and a badge and to, to regulate laws over us. So we need to be able to trust you. And if certain sectors of those people aren't able to trust the police, then, you know, we start seeing some of what we're seeing now with the, with the anti-police stances that we have today. You don't see people out there protesting firefighters, right? Why? Because firefighters only go out there, do their job, and then they move on. Police get involved. Things get personal. Because we, 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 well, because police officers, aren't they just the same as the rest of us? If America has a problem getting along, if America has a race problem, which we do, if America has a Latino problem, which we do, If if America has these problems, of course, they're going to be manifested by the guy who you give a badge to and say, you represent America. You are the government of America. On the streets of America, you get to walk around representing this nation. And when you represent America, you represent all that's good about it and unfortunately all that's bad about it. And and we we're asking them to somehow referee this fight that we're having as a nation. And it's not fair to them. That's not to excuse this guy, because this guy, his behavior goes outside of what we call police policy. But yeah, it angers me that many police officers right now in the United States have taken sides. When I watched those people who decided that they didn't like the guy who was elected and they wanted the guy who was elected, who who was unelected to stay in office and, and they charged the Capitol, many of those people were police officers. Many of those people were, were military these are people in uniform who've decided that yeah. they're they're going to fight and disobey the law. I mean, think of the irony, right? Be- because they Absolutely. believe that some dude told them I didn't lose. Like I've said on this show before, same as if Obama had said to all African-Americans or to all of the people who voted for him, I didn't lose. Come help me stay in office. He would have gotten a good allotment, a, a good uh, group of people out there, too. I mean, how armed they would have been, how many of them would have represented law enforcement. I don't know. Probably fewer. Probably fewer. But that's all they were responding to. And that's mm-hmm. scary. Right. Yeah. How, how much of this do you think is the the absolute power that police sometimes seem to have in this country, seeing that a lot of times they are not held accountable for their actions you know, whether it be because of the police unions or or the the gang mentality of you got to protect the guy next to you because you know he may need to protect you someday type deal. Well, no, you know, I think it go, of, no, no, I think I think no. Of, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think you're on to something, Scotty. I think you're on to something because what you just said is interesting about the absolute power they feel. Think about mm-hmm. this this scene we just played. A young man freaks out. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he just said, no, no, I'm not going to sit here and take this. And he decides to run away from a police officer. And the police officer feels, how dare you run from me? I'm going to shoot you. Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. That he feels compelled to shoot someone because the person did not respect their authority. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, wait, you're going to shoot someone over... 
the, a power dynamic? Mm -hmm. You're going to shoot someone over a power dynamic? Like, I wear a badge, you don't. If you run from me, I have a right to shoot you. What? No. <laughs> I, you have a right to uh, get my driver's license plate. Mm -hmm. By the way, I have yet to, I have not committed a crime. <laughs> I mean, I'm running from what? From a guy who has right. just showed up and not even told me what crime I'm, I've, I've broken? So it's it's a power dynamic. Yeah. And that power dynamic doesn't exist in other countries. Police officers in other countries don't go around in charge. They're just the ones trying to get information. And eventually they're going to get you. Like yeah. if this guy just left and he got his driver's license, he probably would have, you know, had to face some kind of consequences that, ki right. that this kid did for leaving, right. for fleeing, for freaking out, whatever. But to shoot him how many times? Let's listen to this one more time. Get out of the car. Shots fired, shots fired, shots fired. Shots fired, shots fired. I mean, I think it speaks for itself. He goes to the kid's car, forces open the kid's door. The kid freaks out. No warning. He doesn't come from the front. He comes from behind. The kid puts the car in reverse, whether he did it wittingly or not. Let's suppose he did it wittingly, which was wrong for the kid to do that, I suppose. And then when the kid tries to leave, he, 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 he tries to kill him. He tries to essentially be judge, jury, right there. An executioner. Mm -hmm. That's that's a Horrible. strange power dynamic. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I, I think I, I think to my childhood, my teenage years. You know, I, I honestly believe if my skin was a different color, I may not be here today. Because a lot of the interactions that I had as a kid with police, you know, being a teenager, weren't the most respectful incidents. And you know, me having a chip on my shoulder at that age, you know, I had a problem with the authority. Now, what I know today. I know for a fact that if my skin color was brown or black, I may not be sitting here talking to you. Hmm. And that's, and I know what the power dynamic was just for me, the, and that, that what you just said, the aggressor, and you taught me this, I believe years ago, police are trained to take the aggressive, right? Take it one stop, one step mm -hmm. up because they need to control the situation. But yeah. sometimes well, that puts them in bad positions like here. You know, um, you know what this day is, right? This, this is Columbus Day. We used to call it Columbus to Day. To some. To some. Well, you know, it's funny. I remember that the first time I heard, for some reason as a Latino, I always identified with Columbus. Obviously, I'm from Cuba, and Cuba was like the governor of, Columbus was the governor of Cuba or Puerto Rico, that whole region in the Caribbean. Yeah. And Diego, his son, was the governor of Cuba, and the whole Columbus clan is a part of our yeah. culture. And so we all grow up with Columbus and Columbus Day. And then I started hearing that we were going to try and, uh, as a society, I hate to use this word, but it's part of our nomenclature now, cancel Columbus. You know, there, there was a move afoot to cancel Columbus. And I remember thinking to myself, what? Why would they do that? I hope they don't do that. This is all bullshit. I mean, it's just the same thing they always do with everyone in the past. And I started 
thinking that's the way it was. The people were just deciding, oh, yeah, right. And the next it's going to be, you know, um, you know, it's going to be Lincoln. And before that, it's going to be and after that, it's going to be Washington. And who knows who else are going to be yeah. uh, canceling now because they may have done something stupid or done something bad in their life. And don't we all do something bad or stupid in our lives? And then one night I couldn't sleep. And I remember sometimes all of us do this. I know I do this. Sometimes when I, I want to fall asleep, I'll find something to read that I've always thought was interesting. And I Googled Columbus's diaries, the mm. journals of Christopher Columbus. And, and those are written by Christopher Columbus himself and by a lot of his lieutenants and the people who were with him. And I just started reading. Just, you know, who's this dude Columbus anyway? What's he really like? Because all we know is what we read in books and what we were taught by our teachers, right? And I started reading this and I was horrified, horrified. But what I read, it was like, it was not like, you know, yeah, the guy slept with his slave, as horrible as that is, or right. the guy said some horrible things. No, no, we're talking, we're talking madmen stuff. We're talking butchering human beings, decapitating people for the sake of doing it, just as they say, to watch the blood run, because it's fun. I mean, I started reading the viciousness of what they did, and it was beyond the pale, um, which made me realize maybe we shouldn't have statues to this guy. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have a name to him in particular because of the viciousness, not because he was a screw-up. We're all screw-ups. I'm a bigger screw-up than anyone, right? We all are. No, no, this is not about being a screw-up. This is not about making a mistake. This is not being an imperfect person. This guy was a butcher. I mean, he was really like a butcher. And, and, and who he butchered, by the way, is not for nothing, but this show is a part of Agua Media. We do podcasts for Latinos who live in the United States. Who are we? The people he butchered were our ancestors. The people he butchered were my ancestors. The Tainos, you know, and the Atues, the Indians from Cuba. That's who Columbus butchered. I mean, if you go back far enough, it's my great, 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 great grandfather and grandmother that he probably killed one of my descendants somehow, you know, killed, raped, you name it. Christian Poirier is a uh, specialist in this topic. He's a leader. He writes about it. He's part of Amazon Watch. He talks about being and representing indigenous people as an activist. And he's good enough to join us now to talk a little bit about this. Christian, how are you, sir? I'm good, Rick. Thanks for having me on today. You know, I think as a lot of Americans who probably think the way I do when they first heard that, oh, they're going after Columbus now. Oh, man. But you like everything else, when you read a little bit into it, is this guy as bad as what I read that night, or is it exaggerated? Did I miss the boat? No, I think that what you did reading into his past is what we all need to do about celebrated leaders in our history. You need to learn a little bit more about how they came to power, what sort of acts they perpetrated, in this case, crimes against humanity, and why are we still celebrating them today? Hmm. Why do we still have monuments to... Why do we still have days here in the U.S. where we're closing banks and revering them, closing schools, you know? And why is there a movement to shift this and, and take this back, this narrative back? 
looking at the people he targeted, those who followed him targeted, and revering them, the indigenous peoples of this nation or of this continent. Here's something that was written by one of uh, Columbus's lieutenants. He said, the Christians, that's the non-natives, with their horses and swords and pikes began to carry out massacres and strange cruelties against them. They attacked the towns and spared neither the children nor the aged nor pregnant women nor women in childbed. I'm not sure what that means. I guess they were pregnant, right? Not only stabbing them and dismembering them by cutting them to pieces as if dealing with sheep in a slaughterhouse. They, led, they laid bets on as to who, with one stroke of the sword, could split a man in two or cut off his head or spill his entrails with a single stroke of a pike. They took infants from their mother's breasts, snatching them by the legs. Remember, this is somebody who wrote in their diary what they saw. He was one of the lieutenants for Columbus. Snatching the babies by their legs and pitching them headfirst against the crags. I guess he means the rocks up, uh, you know, the cliffs. Or snatched them by the arms and threw them into the rivers, roaring with laughter and saying, as the babies fell into the water, boil there, you offspring of the devil. Other infants they put to the sword along with their mothers and anyone who happened to be nearby. They made some low, wide gallows in which they hang victims. Feet almost touched the ground, stringing their victims up 13 at a time. I mean, I could go on, but this is, uh, this, this is not somebody writing a book and exaggerating. This is somebody who's actually there and, and wrote diaries, and those diaries have since been repeated and now read. And it makes me wonder, why are we only now seeing this stuff? Why, why didn't somebody read this before and tell me about this when I was in first grade and I was dressing up like Columbus? <laughs> yeah, indeed, Rick. And you mentioned some other luminaries, say, in U.S. history, George yeah. Washington, for example. Uh, he also perpetrated uh, atrocities against Native peoples and spoke about it. And you can read about that, too. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. we have very... Um, flawed uh, uh, leaders to look up to uh, in this in this country. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, that we all have our flaws, but these are the wave of terror you mentioned um, in this diary entry. The, the terror that was unleashed by Columbus's invasion and everything that came after is something we all need to learn about and reckon with. Um, and it, it reaches in, into the, the present, you know, that what we're seeing what we saw in the past, the horrific treatment of Native peoples, may not be playing out on the same level <laughs> as we saw in the 16th century, but it's still happening today. A level of genocide of Indigenous peoples is still happening today. So it's important to understand our past to better understand our present. How is it still happening today? Well, if you look to Brazil, for example, Brazil is a country where there's one million Indigenous peoples. And they live in vast territories, uh, mainly in the Amazon rainforest. Uh, the indigenous peoples of, there's 306 uh, native groups in, in Brazil. Um, many have, were wiped out um, during genocidal expansion of the Portuguese uh, over centuries. Um, but they're still holding on. They're still resisting. They're still speaking about their past and their future. And they're up against a government that tries to erase them, that weaponizes language to steal their lands and plunder their resources. 
under Jair Bolsonaro, we're seeing a narrative that is so violent that it's unleashed uh, enormous violence, like real violence, not just words, but real violence against indigenous peoples. Between 2011, 2021, there were at least 342 land offenders murdered in Brazil. And a third of those were indigenous or Afro descendants. Uh, you know, just the last in, in 2021, there were 176 assassinations of indigenous peoples in Brazil. And this is actually less than in 2020. Um, so what we hear from ind the indigenous movement in the country is that we are still suffering a genocide. This has not stopped for 500 years. But aren't they the majority in Brazil? Aren't the indigenous people a majority in Brazil or are they not? Oh, they're a very small minority in the country, which is one reason why it's uh, easy, in a sense, for politicians like Bolsonaro to go after their rights, to attack them as impediments to growth, because where their territories are in the Amazon, some of the best produced or best um, preserved territories in the forest, uh, there is immense wealth to be had. And so the, the, the narrative of de dehumanizing them is intentional to steal their, their land, to steal their, uh, their resources. Um, because they're not well represented in the country, they don't have a lot of political power. Even the last election, there were two um, indigenous women that were elected to Congress, but we're talking about a large Congress, most of which is pitted against the interests of indigenous peoples. Isn't it just, uh, it seems to me, when I've heard some of the palaver that comes out of places like Brazil, glad you mentioned Brazil and Bolsonaro, that it's not just the indigenous people per se, but that the whole country in many ways perceives the whiter you are, the more value you have, the more closely you are tied to your indigenous past, the less value you have. And I'm referring to the things I've heard about calling the kids in the streets rats and that we need to eliminate them and that they all need to be shot and killed and put in prisons. We're talking about kids who commit petty thievery, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought when I heard those comments and quotes that they're basically trying to separate separate people out because they're more indigenous or less white. Am, am I am I seeing that correctly? You are. I think you know a lot of similarities to the way that we see race in this country. It, it's different, but you know the the one drop rule, right? If you have any. Black blood, and, and you manifest that, then somehow you have less rights and they can be taken from you very swiftly, what rights you have. And looking at street kids in Brazil, and there's many street kids and enormous problems with poverty. Um, most of these kids are, can't be identified as um, indigenous. They're mostly um, of Afro-Brazilian descent. Um, and, and we see the poverty lines, much like in this country, are divided, not just along class, but along race. Um, and yes, there's a demeaning of black and brown bodies in, in Brazil, much like in the United States, but again, with some very notable differences. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, indigenous peoples are being targeted, not only because they're brown, not only because they're seen as less white and, and therefore uh, less deserving of rights, but because they are also the stewards of vast territories um, that are well-preserved and that hold uh, enormous uh, economic benefits to those who would like to plunder them. What is, but is it different from indigenous people in our country who are also put upon? Oh, it, it's not different in, in, in many ways. However, those indigenous peoples in our countries 
many were forced off of their lands and put onto some some of the least um, some of the most barren land yeah. um, that we have in this country. And the difference here is that native peoples in Brazil are many, not all. Uh, there's many people without lands, um, but many are living on their ancestral territories. Uh, or, so wait, or, so wait. What you just said, I think, is that what is happening to the indigenous people of Brazil is in present day what we did to the indigenous people once of the United States, the so-called American Indian, as they were called. Well, if you look at the discourse of Jair Bolsonaro, he said some years ago that the the U.S. cavalry was effective because they wiped out Native peoples. He wished that Brazil's cavalry had been. He said that. He he said he those words. He said something akin to this. I'm I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but he basically said that he wished that the cavalry had gotten rid of this problem for Brazil, which the problem being these people, <laughs> um, and you know. There's not a wholesale push to drive indigenous peoples by the state, as we saw in this country, the Trail of Tears, uh, many people being pushed um, off their lands and, and resettled, say, in Oklahoma, yeah. hundreds of miles away. Um, but there, So there's nothing like this happening in Brazil at the moment. But how indigenous territories are being targeted by industry and by illegal actors, by organized crime, is indeed uh, making it unlivable. Is um, it? You know, is it? Is it? I'm sorry for interrupting, but I just think when you said that, that what those people are doing, how can they get away with it? Why why isn't the world? I mean, we 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 start wars in Iraq, we we invaded Afghanistan, we've you know, invaded Libya, we've got a war going on in Yemen. We we seem to find ways of using our troops uh, all over the world, wherever we see so-called injustice if this is happening as you describe it why 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 isn't why aren't the brits stepping in why isn't the united states stepping in why aren't other countries that are powerful and believe in democracy and freedom and upholding equal rights of people etc cetera, etc cetera? where where's the world court where's the united where is anybody <laughs> well i mean for one this is uh the International Criminal Court has been put on notice about what Bolsonaro is doing, and he's being, not yet, but he, he could be tried for crimes of genocide um, for what's happening huh. to Brazil indigenous peoples. Um, you know, the, the ICC moves very slowly, um, but we're hoping that the, this these crimes that he has committed, his government's committed, um, will not go unpunished. Uh, Brazil is a sovereign country. They have 60% of the Amazon in their borders. Uh, they are often argue that we can do whatever we want with these areas. We take care of our native people. They'll actually use language like this. Um, and there's, there's, you know, discourses that are not matching. You know, I think Bolsonaro and his ilk would say, no, we're, we're looking to develop the Amazon and indigenous people should develop and we should bring them into the fold of society. They need to, to come out of the caves, you know, literally it's the kind of like language huh. he'll use. Um, and the, the rest of the world needs to kind of, Suck it up and, and let us do what we need to do for the peoples there. Um, you know, there's actually a, a very active school of thought in Brazil that uh, the rest of the world wants to take over the Amazon. And, um, you know, the, the NGOs like the one I work for, Amazon Watch, are all part of a giant conspiracy that's trying to deprive Brazil of its resources, hmm. of its territory, which is a utter nonsense. In fact, what Bolsonaro is doing, he's selling the, the Amazon to the highest bidder. He is allowing 
uh, corporations, financial institutions to take over the Amazon. Um, and he's doing so openly. And meanwhile, meanwhile, saying Brazil is, you know, Amazon is ours. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's extremely, uh, there's, there's a discrepancy here. Um, but I, I think any action of, of actors like, for example, the U.S. or, or England, who have very dicey histories, as you mentioned, uh, of so-called um, human rights, you know, upholding human rights, like, attacking Libya or, or Iraq, would not go over very well. Um, hmm. It would actually play into the hands of the jingoists in the country. It would strengthen their hand. And I think that's for one reason that countries like in, in like France or the U.S. are using diplomacy, trying to moderate the behavior of Bolsonaro, which has not worked. He, he, he does have a point, though, right, that um, it's okay to modernize. There, there's nothing wrong with if you have great resources, rivers that run fast to create electricity, uh, you know, certain uh, timber areas where you can create some, you know, uh, manufacturing. There's nothing wrong with that per se. How do you, is there a way you can do that without depriving people what is rightfully theirs? How, is there a way or, or, or is there only no, you can't touch that land and on the other side, we're going to plunder it and take it all? How do you find that middle ground, Christian? Yeah. Well, that's one area I'd agree with Bolsonaro, that the Amazon really needs um, economic growth. It needs development. You know, there's 20 million people, more, 25 million people living in the Brazilian Amazon. And why uh, don't they get a slice of the economic prosperity of that region. Right. However, the way he frames economic prosperity is through wholesale extraction, the most abusive form of capitalist expansion you can imagine, um, which leaves no man standing. And really, it concentrates wealth into the hands of very few. It's not about development for the people. It's about development for the large corporate interests that can make a buck in the Amazon and leave. And that's the history of the Amazon, unfortunately, are these explosive um, periods of growth that leave behind wreckage. Uh, mm -hmm. So what we hear from indigenous peoples, we need to listen to what they're saying. We need to listen to understand the Amazon is not a, a source of unlimited wealth. If we don't stop the destruction of the Amazon that we see today, it will reach a tipping point. It's very close to reaching a tipping point. Will it, it will no longer be able to sustain itself as a forest by generating its own rainfall. And it will revert gradually to become a savanna. What that means for us worldwide, is game over for the climate. I can't understate huh. how graphic and horrific that outcome would be. So it's very important that we moderate economic growth in, in that region to allow for the forest to stand and to sustain us all, allow for indigenous peoples to live on their territories as they see fit, and yes, um, foster uh, sustainable and green development in the region, not the kind that Bolsonaro is talking about, but there are many forms of development that can be adopted, that are being adopted on small scales. In fact, indigenous peoples are leading the way in some of these forms of development um, that are not going to wreck the forest and not going to leave you behind these traces, these trails of destruction that past so-called development initiatives have left. Hmm. Uh, look to the rivers of the Amazon, as you mentioned, they're large rivers that, hmm. that could power many, many thousands of households. But if you look at the way large dams have been developed in that region, it's been a complete catastrophe. Again, it's stuffed the pockets of large corporations with public money. Yeah, well, destroyed forests, and, and Brazilians pay the highest electricity bills in the whole region. That's so the, why is that? The, it's the history of man. It's the history of Latin America. It's what we did with 
the United Fruit Company in places like Guatemala and Panama, et cetera, and to a certain extent continue to do. It's always the country with the best resources that seems to suffer the most. You almost want to, if, you, if you're going to be an indigenous person or someone with not great wealth, you want to grow up in a country that doesn't have a lot and doesn't attract a lot of attention, it seems. And, that, and, and, and that's almost yeah. what's as ironic as it sounds. It sounds crazy what I just said, but it's kind of true. You know, it, it's like having a hanging a shingle in front of your house saying, I got a lot of money, but you're going to get robbed. And uh, what's going on, as you describe it in uh, that part of the world, is is really robbery because that's that land does not belong to the people who are bulldozing it or trying to go in there and take it by force. By the way, back to our original topic before I uh, let you go, um, the idea that we shouldn't that we should have statues or take down statues. I mean, who deserves a statue? Who who deserves to be honored? Anyone? Well, absolutely. I think, you know, ironic um, that you'll see some statues going up. Um, I believe Harriet Tubman, uh, a statue of her has gone up in front of the CIA headquarters because she mm -hmm. was such an important um, intelligent, intelligence asset. Um, yeah. I say it's ironic because the CIA is such a dicey institution. Yeah, they're, 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 they're the I mean, ones I was just talking about when I mentioned Guatemala and the United Fruit Company, by the way. One okay, brother ran yes, the yeah, company, the other one ran the CIA. Yeah, Around the world, yeah. right? And here we have them honoring Harriet Tubman. We need to honor Harriet Tubman. We need to honor these figures of history that are lesser known. And, you know, I think uh, a different reading of our history books will allow us to maybe move away from honoring um, genocidal criminals like Columbus and, and lifting up the voices of those who, who stood for a very different vision for inclusion, um, for economic justice, for environmental justice, the kind of world that we all kind of think I want to live in, not the one that, you know, Columbus represented. Yeah. I think Jesus, I think Gandhi, I think uh, Harriet Tugman, I think, uh, I think of people who tried to bring good in the world, who believed in that most important word, peace, you know, which comes along with equity and so many of the other things that are important that sometimes, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think if we use that as the standard, the next time we erect a statue, we need to make sure this person was good to people. This person was, 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 was treated people, treated people fairly. This person believed in peace. And, and and I think if we used a pretty simple slide rule, we'd be able to come up with that measurement without having to uh, then pay for it later on. You've been a great guest, uh, Christian. Thanks so much. Christian Poirier. Did I pronounce your name correctly, by the way? You did great, Rick. And thanks a lot for having me on. You're great. Thanks uh, for sharing your wisdom with us. I think that's uh, that's really important and very in keeping with, uh, you know, today, so-called Columbus Day, which is now called you know, Indigenous Peoples Day, which probably is much more apropos given uh, what we now know. And the more we know, the smarter we get, the better we get. And that's why we do this, by the way. That's why we do this thing called uh, called uh, Rick Sanchez News. You can catch our act on, uh, this podcast is on Spotify, it's on Apple, it's wherever you get your podcast. Leave a comment, by the way. I'd love to hear from you. It's really important. Give us a grade, one through five. I say five, by the way. But uh, I think that'll be very, very helpful for us. And if you happen to be watching some of this or all of this on, uh, on uh, YouTube, subscribe. And there you go. Thanks again to uh, Christian. Thanks to Scotty. And uh, dale, andale, y vamos con todo. Agua.